Tom, today, uh, I, you know, normally for these opens, I, we, we try to do some sort of a news, some sort of a learning, some sort of a, uh, some sort of a way to better your life with your anxiety. Yeah. Right? Correct. Yeah. Sometimes we do that. Today, I'm not going to do that at all. Oh. Not even a little bit. And I'll tell you why. Because today, I want to celebrate uh, the weird stuff that we collectively do because of our anxieties. <laughs> okay, sure. I read an article, uh, this is on The Mighty, as was compiled by Juliet Virzi and, uh, at TheMighty.com, and I'll even put the link in the show notes, where she catalogs, she asked uh, a, a bunch of followers of The Mighty to talk about the weird things that they do when they are anxious. <laughs> and I don't do all of them. Um, I have been known to do some of them, and I just want to share them, uh, because uh, some of them, because I think... Uh, that they make me feel less alone. And sure. that's what we're all about. That's all we are. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, I read this other article about how somebody was saying that you don't ever, ever, ever laugh at somebody else's anxiety or phobia. And uh, and then went and cataloged mm. all the reasons not to laugh at somebody else's anxiety or phobia. And one of them included that, you know, even if you have that anxiety yourself, you, you make them feel alone. I totally disagree with that. And that's the purpose of our show. We're here to laugh at ourselves and laugh at us together yes. and try to be less isolated. And that's why I want to share these things, not to point and point a finger and uh, make people feel bad, but just to remember that we all have a thing in our brains and my thing isn't your thing and that's why we're here is to learn about our things yeah i think the big another way to say it is we're not laughing at we're laughing with right. and that makes a huge difference right yes uh, and so here i here here we go now there are 25 of these i don't think i'll read them all but i definitely want to hear if you uh, happen to have if you happen to have any okay. of these. and so well, again I, these are things weird things you do because of your anxiety because of your anxiety because of your anxiety number one i pick my cuticles all the time that's my go-to. If my anxiety oh. is worse, I'll pinch the skin at the very top of my thighs. It's discreet, and it's just enough pain to pull me out of my head without being damaging. I can usually get it under control with that. Do you pick your cuticles? Do you pinch yourself, Tom? I don't. I do I do bite my fingernails, and I'm not sure if that's okay. an um, anxiety response, but it probably is. Pretty yeah. much everything I, I do is probably your anxiety response. So yeah, <laughs> yeah so that, be that's my other, finger yes. part is yeah. I don't mess with the cuticles, but my nails are like non-existent. They're ridiculous. I, I do have a skin one that is related to my heels. When I, at the, by about the middle of the summer, I've worn, usually I wear sandals, you know, like my, my sandals through most of the summer. And I, uh, they, my heels get really dry and, and they turn into like little scales. And when I'm anxious, if I'm in uh -oh. a, if I'm in an ang anxiety uh -oh. inducing situation, I'll cross mm -hmm. my legs under the table and I will literally pick the skin off of my heels <laughs> until it hurts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's gross. So, and that's number one. Upsetting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's all okay, number one. <laughs> yeah. That, no, that was, this is all number one, picking cuticles. And that's, that's got okay. to be number two. Uh, I yawn constantly. It's annoying as hell, but I can't help it. And it gets worse the more anxious I get. It's like I can't get enough air. So I have to make myself yawn. I have no, that is so interesting. I never thought that that would be something that would be shared, but that is something that I have, that I, it's like a wave of exhaustion sometimes. Yes. It, it you me. know what it turns out? That, that this, uh, uh, this, per, this submitter, this contributor says it, that I just recently found out it's a type of, of hyperventilating related to anxiety. Oh. When you get nervous, it's a type of hyperventilating. Fascinating. 
Huh. I love that. A socially uh, appropriate hyperventilation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, sometimes uh, anxiety turns to anger. I get very angry. People don't understand why I'm angry. Even I don't understand why I'm angry in the moment, but it usually oh. comes from a, a rapid onset of, of anxiety-inducing induce, elements. Uh, here's somebody who shakes a lot. I start uh, with tapping my foot and then vigorously shaking my leg and tapping my hands. It's so hard to hide, so everyone automatically looks at me and makes me feel like I'm a freak. You're not a freak. You're anxious. That's okay. I, I when I'm really concentrating or if I'm nervous, it uh, during the filming of my uh, feature, it became yeah. very clear to me that I rock back and forth a little bit. <laughs> like I'm standing up, but I'm just sort of lightly yeah. rocking back and forth. And when you're looking over two actors, like, you know, practicing a scene or something, I couldn't look yeah. like more of a creep. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, pull the strings. Yeah. So I do that. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? This one I know is is going to uh, delight you and illuminate this conversation. Hmm. Uh, 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 this contributor writes, I pop zits on myself for oh! my boyfriend of three years. He hates it, but when I'm really bad, he'll take his shirt off and lay on his stomach so I can pop the ones on his back. I also crochet if he's too <laughs> sore from work to let me go at it. <laughs> This delights me for so many reasons, not the least oh. of which is that these people, as a couple, have come to a sort of accommodation. What incredible symbiosis. her anxiety. Yes. Exactly. This is the remora and the shark. It is fantastic. <laughs> oh, I love it. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever works for you, but uh, yeah. bring, bring yeah. a towel. Uh, this one made me th think of you, uh, quote, I dance like a robot backing up and walking away while making robot sounds <laughs> when I'm around a group of people and feel overstimulated and become paranoid. Yep. <laughs> That's amazing. I want to do that now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, you can. And, and let me say, I don't think any of these contributors would object to adopting this if it supplants something that you'd like not to do. <laughs> Sure. Right? If, yeah. If maybe you generally get overstimulated in crowds and just vomit. Maybe dancing like a robot is an improvement. Feel yeah, free to take it's... this and run. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Celebrate your weirdness, people. Your anxiety. It may feel weird, but you are not alone. What's That Smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. And every week, we each drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Reach out to us. Send us the story of your anxieties to, hmm, something stinky at whatsthatsmell.net. Still, that's the email address <laughs> something stinky at what's that smell.net and we would love to hear from you and you can be a part of the show and with that pete i would love to start us off I pete 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 hi tom hi for my offering this week i would like to start with a question and it's okay. ugh, it's such a common question. I'm sure you're super tired of answering it. Have you ever seen an X-ray of a child's mouth? <laughs> oh, no. All right. 
I'm not crazy about x-rays in general, but yes, sure, Because it's, yeah. it's kind of wizardry and magic stuff, Ooh, and I don't care yeah. for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how I thought mouths and humans and teeth and things apparently worked, <laughs> but this was a new one for me. I recently saw an x-ray of a child's mouth. Let's not ask how. And... <laughs> It's horrifying. If you haven't seen it, guys, they look like shark mouths because their (laughs) baby teeth are there, but then their adult teeth are just hiding behind it like Alien in the movie Alien, just (laughs) waiting to sort of come out. I don't know what I thought. The teeth just sort of like grew later. Like, I never stopped to think about it. And I graduated cum laude from like a real school. Like it had doors and everything. It was a real school. But seeing this was just like horrifying to me. And I was, anyways, why bring this up will make more sense in a little bit. Um, Today, I am offering a listener submission. Hooray! Hooray! And this listener submission, um, her name is Megan, and she actually uh, offered up two phobias, but both are so interesting and so different, I want to split them up. So we're just going to be doing one, the first one today. And this is exciting because she actually submitted her anxiety as an audio recording. And so if you don't mind, Pete, listen to this. Take it away, Megan. Hey, guys. My name is Megan. I live in Los Angeles, California. Love your show and wanted to send you two of my phobias that um, are kind of Los Angeles related, but I'd like to think that they're universal at their core. Um, One of them has to do with these hidden staircases all over Los Angeles. They're really cool. And um, a lot of image conscious actors and actresses go there to exercise and run up and down the stairs. And I used to be one of those um, until I did developed this horrifying image of myself as I'm running up the stairs, tripping and bashing my teeth into uh, the stair above me. And I could just the crunch and the sensation just was debilitating to the point where I couldn't get the image out of my head every time I would run up the stairs and I had to stop. So I no longer do those stairs. Um, I now do downhill ski races, but, um, no, I don't do that. Um, so that's one of my phobias and I shudder just thinking about that, but I, I really have this fear of bashing my teeth in and the stairs trigger that for me. And I'm wondering if anybody out there shares that fear. Oh, God, Tom. Uh, yeah, I relate to that. That's one of those that I didn't even know that I related to until I heard her say it. And then all the images of any time somebody's teeth meet concrete, like uh, this <laughs> yep. or American History X or yep. like, oh, God, it's all of those things. Uh, yes. Teeth are the worst. Teeth are the worst thing to get injured. Yes. Um, I can break this down into two basic phobias. Uh, the first one is basophobia or basophobia, which is a natural fear of falling. And then the second mm-hmm. one is odontophobia, which is the fear of teeth or dental surgery. Now, I hope it's okay that I falling, the fear of falling seems so universal to everyone that I really went with the teeth being hurt, that that's the bigger issue and why, yeah. like yeah. you just responded, why that's so different than other kind of injuries. So I followed that thread. And about teeth, uh, the second caveat that I want to say is almost all of the research that I found, and there is a lot involving teeth or losing teeth, is based in fear of dental work. Yeah. Um, actual dental work. And that's certainly not what's going on for Megan. So I tried to look outside of the normal arena in order to get some insight. Uh, can I take you on a delightful journey that might lead nowhere? I love journeys to nowhere. 
In an effort to try to see how old some of these basic fears about teeth and losing teeth involved um, or went back to, I actually checked the Bible. You've read the Bible, right, Pete? (laughs) Cover to cover. Yeah. Um, I actually have read it from cover to cover because I'm one of those guys. And but I didn't remember these. I had to look it up on some uh sort of app kind of thing. But the Bible mentions teeth in Psalm 58, 6, when King David is praying to God to destroy his enemies. And how he does it is he pleads to the heavens to quote, break their teeth in their mouth, O God. Lord, tear mm. out the fangs of those lions. One of the things that I think that brings up is that especially in older times, uh, starting when we were cave people, teeth are needed to chew food. Teeth are needed for protection, and they represent power. So to break, mm-hmm. in this biblical t- uh, quote, to break someone's teeth would be to reduce their power while also reducing their basic ability to survive. Uh, teeth are also mentioned, of course, as I mentioned in an earlier episode involving hell and eternity. Uh, in Matthew thirteen forty two, he describes hell as a fiery furnace where there will be weeping and what? Gnashing of teeth, Tom. Gnashing of teeth, exactly. And I think I think the Bible doubles down on gnashing of teeth. I think that gnashing, in fact, comes up a lot. That's a go-to phrase for the Bible. We're going to gnash teeth a lot. And that's that's an interesting for that to be the re- the um, repeated phrase. There's something very old about that. The teeth, what they represent, yeah. the strength that they represent, and the absence of them how that can uh, sort of destroy your life. Then I threw the Bible across the floor, and then I went into, (laughs) of course, where you may have heard about this kind of stuff, but dream theory. Dream theory is all about losing teeth. And I went to (laughs) a ton of different websites and actually a book that I had that I didn't remember I had about dreams. And They're kind of all over the place in times, but I can break it down to the basics, if you'll let me. Um, The meaning, the main meanings for dreams about teeth breaking or broken teeth involve, they can involve instability and lack of balance in your life, issues with reliability and trust, of course, fear of aging. Um, And this is the really big one, the most common one, and it's written in a ton of different ways, but I was able to sort of distill that this is what they're going for, is it very often happens in times of transition. That is a very common theme for a lot of these things that potentially your mind is trying to work out. So maybe if Mm -hmm. it's you have a new romantic partner, or you are changing your moving, or changing jobs, any of those things, it could be a subconscious reminder, says Dream Theory, that you either made a decision or are about to make one that could feel like a heavy compromise, and could generate emotional suffering if not dealt with consciously. Meaning, it's saying, look at what you're doing and really bring it up to the surface and make sure you understand what you're going into because some of them say that teeth breaking could be that you're breaking yourself and your sense of balance in order to satisfy others or goals that do not serve you well in the end. It could be a fear of you're losing sight of yourself and your true needs by going after the ideals of someone else. Or it could just mean a fresh start. <laughs> there yeah. are also a couple that are like, it's also just sometimes new. Again, that gets into the the strength that I think teeth represent. 
and that primal sort of aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, that's what dream theory sort of, have you ever had dreams well, about this? To- totally. And you know, what's so interesting about that is that teeth serve such a, a dual nature for us, right? You, we, you've already talked about that. You need them to, for subsistence, you need them to survive. You've got to be yeah. able to, to chew or have some sort of way to, to chew your food, to, to live healthily and, and an image or a sort of, of absence of teeth is a sign of, of, you know, that you're not healthy. Uh, that breaking your teeth somehow is a is a sign that that you you feel like your your health is at at stake. There is this other angle though that I think more about personally, which is the 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 as you say primal nature that teeth are protection. Right? If you look at, mm-hmm. at sort of that sort of feral nature, that you use your teeth to protect yourself, to right. to hunt, to you know to catch prey, and uh, so a lack of teeth is is a sign of defenselessness. Like you you can't protect yourself. You you know. But for me, there's a there's a third level, which is the practical when I'm not sleeping that teeth are a one-time shot, right? Like, you get it once. No, because you hit on exactly what I think, because one of the things as I was researching this was, why not bones? Yeah. That we feel this way about teeth, and no one wants to break an arm or a leg, but it doesn't have that exact same kind of visceral punch. So I did some research about teeth and bones, and I Mm -hmm. think potentially I thought teeth were bones, because cum laude, they are not. (laughs) Uh, They are, both teeth and bones are comprised of calcium, phosphorus, and other minerals, but the big difference is that bones mostly consist of the protein collagen, and collagen is a living, growing tissue that gives bones their flexible framework. Mm -hmm. On the other side, teeth is mostly, uh, consist of a calcified tissue called dentine, Mm, dentine, Um, and that dentine (laughs) tissue. Now I know where they came up with that. (laughs) Exactly. And now that dentine tissue is covered in enamel. That is the hard, shiny layer that you brush. And so here's the big difference that I think you were getting to. Tooth enamel, unlike bones, does not have the same regenerative powers. Teeth cannot heal themselves or grow back together if they are broken. When a bone fractures, new bone cells rush in to fill the gap and repair the break. But a cracked or broken tooth can require all sorts of horribleness. And really, you're not getting that tooth back. Um, right. Also, bone marrow produces red and white blood cells. Teeth don't have that. They get their, I mean, it's just built completely differently. And I think that there's something, to overuse the word, incredibly primal about that. Breaking your mm-hmm. teeth versus bones in your body, it's because they are irreplaceable. They're irreparable. All yeah. of our teeth are with us from jump. Bones can mend, teeth can't. And ever since we were cave people, as I said, teeth have symbolized, and you've gotten to, protection, survival, adaptation, growth. And so the idea of, and this does go into making an entire life transition. You are robbing yourself of the foundation that you've gotten comfortable with. And that can be Mm -hmm. very scary. So I think those all sort of coincide very nicely. How are you with uh, teeth, with your your, uh, dental career? I am fine because, uh, thank goodness for my parents. They, my mother has, mother has had uh, legendarily terrible teeth. Not terrible looking, but just needed a lot of work because dental hygiene was not something that was very yeah. uh, important back then for her parents. Um, and so she's had to do a ton of work. As a result, they gave me some early braces, stuff like that. And I haven't had a cavity in a zillion years. So I'm all good. 
as weird as that childhood uh, x-ray bit is that you opened with, after hearing you talk about this, it makes me really think that some sort of genetic modification that would give us the ability to regrow teeth and just have them fan in when you lose another one, that's pretty smart. It is. I'm sure evolution's getting around to it. Yeah, I would take that superpower. Yes. Shark teeth. Shark teeth. (laughs) Uh, And on that, I think the one thing keeping evolution from having us have shark teeth is the enemy of all teeth. It's smoothies, Pete. (laughs) 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 Smoothies for the win. So Megan, thank you so much for uh, submitting. We really, really appreciate it. We will be uh, covering your second phobia a little bit later uh, in the season. Uh, But for now, crack away because smoothies have got your back. Tom, uh, my parents have a painting. Oh. In this painting, it's an oil painting. It's an original. Okay. And in this painting, a man has a sad look on his face, and he is reading a newspaper, the Wall Street Journal, in this case. Oh, this sounds like a Rockwell. We can clearly see on the front page of the newspaper. I mean, we can't actually see the, the... text right but we can see the headlines and we can see the you know the the some of the bylines you know tax report and what's news and some some advertisement on the back page right we can see some things and uh uh, the hero image on the front of the wall street journal is an image of my great grandfather oh okay so it's a family story now the artist of this painting is a guy named Delbert Jackson. Oh, yeah, I know Delbert. You know Delbert Jackson, right? He does yeah. great work. Well, he's a renowned Tulsa artist, and he devoted a, a, a portion of his career to painting these amazing portraits and murals that celebrate the oil industry. Ooh. Now, how my family ended up represented in this painting is not really central to the story this week. In short, uh, you know, my granddad, uh, who is the frowning man, so that's my granddad, is reading about my great-granddad who is retiring from the company that he built from scratch, Sunray oh. DX, right? Wow. So Okay. Uh, and, and my great-granddad was chairman of the board of this company, and he put this merger together of Sunray and Sun Oil Company, and this was my granddad reading, sadly, about the retirement of his own father. And it all takes place in this painting. So if you're curious, you can check out the uh, notes, uh, the show notes to see the image. My dad took a a picture of it and he sent it to me. And I don't know. I think he was there was some sort of a an earthquake event. So it's a little bit blurry. Tom, I'd like you to look at the picture (laughs) right now. So I'm going to post it for you and just see if you notice uh, anything I might have left out. Okay. As now, my blood runs cold. <laughs> now, the, the important part, the element of the painting that I, I may have left out in the introduction is that the frowning man reading the newspaper, staring grumpily at page six, is, yep. in fact, an ink-stained clown. Yes, he's in clown yeah. face. <laughs> he's in clown face. Why Now, why did you react the way you did to seeing this picture? this is is your anxiety about clowns it it is that's phenomenal because i've never understood i do have some anxiety about this not as strong as some other people but i've never understood why so this Uh, is exciting 
it, well, I don't know if it's exciting. We'll see. I, I'll tell you, for, for me, it, you know, this picture was hanging in my house growing up and it was, it was to the point where I, now I love it because it represents my family and knowing being close to my family history, I, I have a deep <laughs> love of it. But also when I would have an opportunity to go to certain areas of my house, I would always take the long way. I, I you sure. know, I would always wander around the living room and go through the kitchen yeah. and maybe then end up where I needed to be. So it, I find it disconcerting and it may start even earlier than that because I, you know, I went to the circus with my, with my parents and I have this, this image of getting next to an elephant and hearing this voice say, stay away from that elephant kid. It's a good way to die. Jesus. Right? And it sounds like a <laughs> like a British carny, but I, yeah, I have that it's a image. Sea captain. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, you know, you what you can't see is that I'm actually holding up the one finger cigar hook, you know, like yep, I of course. dial. And uh <laughs> but in my head, now my parents tell me that story, and in fact, those were the words that were spoken, but it was by a apparently a nice animal trainer who was kind of laughing. In my head, that was a damn clown. Sure. And I have always had like that vision of you know being scared away from things that i was fascinated by that's always been attached to this clown i don't find clowns like i can be in a room with a clown sure. i'm not gonna like hang Which happens out with often. a clown yeah right, right. exactly exactly so what, can uh, i ask a follow-up real quick though about the painting this specific yeah, painting sure. why your grandfather was he a like a after hours clown like what what was the point no, and I, uh, you know, now we're into artistic interpretation, and yeah. uh, because I don't have an answer to that, but the, what I've always imagined was that the retirement of my grandfather and the merger of these companies, the retirement of my great grandfather and the merger of these companies, was a bittersweet experience. That the that the man himself is sad, but he's putting on a brave face. Got it. For crying the on the inside clown. Yeah, crying yep. on the inside clown, which sure. is one of the really interesting things about clowns is that they sort of the image of a clown allows you to express uh, a very complex set of emotions that sometimes we don't really have words to express. So I think it's a great question um, that you ask here because it's important. Like it's important in terms of the role of a clown. Mm -hmm. um, it, it matters. So mm. um, cool. I, I think okay. clowns can be a symbol of great emotional complexity. Uh, but for me, it, it was always the creepy thing in my living room. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a very severe image. Listeners, I would highly recommend you go to the website uh, and check this out because yeah. I don't know if I'll sleep again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it has everything that I don't like: Wall Street and clouds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he seems to be emerging from the sun. Okay, go ahead. Uh, right, right. There is this yeah. bright sort of light behind him. You're right. That's a that's a great uh, great thing to note. I so. I ended up doing a little bit of research, as you can imagine, mm -hmm. and uh, it turns out that uh, this phobia, or cholrophobia, C-O-U-L-R-O-phobia, cholrophobia, so this is the paralyzing fear of clowns, uh, you know, is something that is shared by an awful lot of people, and it has been sure. shared by a lot of people since long before Pennywise, uh, you know, came right. about in Stephen King's It, uh, that in fact, you know, people have been studying why clowns are hard on 
humanity <laughs> in a very large uh, populations. Yeah. Uh, and, and so here are a couple of things. First of all, and I, I mean this with the specific language in mind, certain behaviors of clowns can be creepy. <laughs> and we know that because a, a social psychologist named Frank T. McAndrew published a study that helped really to explain uh, the feelings that clowns evoke in us and recruited a whole bunch of folks, uh, you know, f- almost 1,500 people uh, in the very broad age range from 18 to 77 and, and asked them to, uh, you know, complete their responses to a profile around behaviors they saw as, quote, creepy. Yeah. And and so, uh, you know, some things really jump out that are super obvious, like uh, men are more likely to be seen as creepy and unpredictable behaviors make people feel uncomfortable and strange patterns of eye contact make people feel uncomfortable or creepy. Clown characteristics such as big mouth and big bulgy eyes, they're Mm. not particularly creepy on their own. But guess what? When you take the big mouth and the big bulging eyes, right, of and, and the enhancements that come to the face around makeup and add uh, the unpredictable behaviors, you never know when the flower is going to squirt you with water. You never know when the <laughs> horn's going to go off. You never know yeah. when, the you know, something's <laughs> going to pop out. And weird patterns of eye contact and the way clowns tend to, the stereotypical clowns tend to, to move and emote. And now clowns become... Uh, sort of a vessel of creepiness or inappropriate behavior, right? Mm, okay. One of the things that this McAndrews story comes out is is that, uh, you know, they liken that behavior to uh, having vulgar conversation topics or, quote, bringing lizards to the office. What? I don't know. I don't, what does that mean? Is that I, I a phrase that, that was everyone knows that, was, that I don't know? That is creepy. Bringing lizards to the office is is, cra- is it? Do you mean like it's a euphemism for something? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is that like a colloquialism? That's hard <laughs> hey, to say. Hey, Tommy, did you bring your lizard to the office? Does it sound better uh, like when I do it like that? That's creepy. Carl really brought the lizard to the office today. I don't know what that means. Like he ruined the account. Okay. Right. Moving on. Right. The, uh, when asked which occupations, if you're asked to rank order a long list of occupations, which one is the creepiest, it should be no surprise that, in fact, clowns oh. were at the very, very top of the creepiness scale. And it is consistent. Uh, this is McAndrews saying, the results are consistent with my theory that getting creeped out is a response to ambiguity of threat. And that is only when we are confronted with uncertainty about threat that we get the chills, he says. It would be considered rude and strange to run away in the middle of a conversation with someone who's sending out a creepy vibe but is actually harmless. At the same time, it could be perilous to ignore your intuition to engage with that individual if he is, in fact, a threat. The ambivalence leaves you frozen in place, wallowing in discomfort. And those emotions, those feelings, are everywhere when it comes to the typical image of clowns. There's another angle here, and this is from our uh, favorite country canadian psychologist Ramy nader says you don't know who they are okay see this this is what i was gonna ask about so talk about that well there's a dichotomy going on with clowns is that they're made to look super happy and super bright but you can always see the humanity behind it so there's already a disconnect uh, about what's going on. And then there's sometimes they are sad. Like the sad clown is like a real, of course, a very yeah. big image that people are familiar with. So there's just an uncertainty of the mask that they're wearing, not really 
unlike a mask mask, which is that's all you see, there's something creepy about seeing the reality creep through the face paint. Right. Is that doing right. anything? Okay. Yeah, and there's this disingenuousness, right? With that's with the word the I was. Yes, correct. Yes, that in fact you know they're lying to you <laughs> at some level because no one is happy all the time, right? <laughs> Not in those big shoes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Not all crammed together in a car. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Buy a sedan, you know, we can fix <laughs> clown problems. <laughs> We're the first generation to do it. Um, no, the I first think... generation to even take it on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, We're taking down big clown. Uh, no, the, the disingenuous, that's a really good word, I think, for it, because there's just, there's a, there's a duality going on all the time. Yes. Which can yeah. seem disconcerting. But when you look at the clown, the clowning sort of industry and what clowns are really there to do, they're they're there to make you laugh. They're there to help you have fun, even when you don't want to. And that that, you know, the, the collision that happens with what you want to do with your emotions and what clowning insists you do with your emotions is another thing that that drives that, that can drive people batty. Right. That they don't want to laugh. They don't want to be told how to feel. They don't want to be uh, given a job to emote in a certain way. And that becomes uh, a, a conflict that that causes a resentment of clowns and sort of unsettling. So, uh, huh. It's interesting. It's yeah. interesting. So that comes from neuroscientist Jordan Gaines Lewis, uh, which I, uh, you know, also wrote some fantastic work on this in uh, Psychology Today. So all of these are, you, you know, a fear of clowns is an irrational thing, right? It is right. as are all anxieties, right? Clowns are not generally out to get you, and the reason Pennywise exists is because this phobia of clowns is so it's a, ridiculous. It's a it's reaction a, to it, yes. Right. It is. It's leaning in on something we already, you know, we're already worried about. And it's doing something ridiculous that we uh, that we know cognitively. We know this, you know, that's not going to happen. But then you have figures, these sort of famous figures like uh, serial killer John Wayne Gacy, who would show up dressed as a clown and, and yeah. you know, and is not uh, not a role model. Uh, so clown, <laughs> clowning has a, a tough reputation. But these irrational fears Right. They trigger the the amygdala response. And we've talked about this before. That's the primal part of the brain that Fight or flight. just wants to help you survive. Exactly. Right. right. That's the thing that tells you that says, here's this irrational phobia. Now, when you see a clown, that lizard brain is going to kick in and you're going to you're going to experience it in a heightened way. Those are some of the things I think that that make clowning such a terrifying thing. Then when you have a personal experience, right, that highly specific personal experience like the uh, ancient british mariner clown who told me to stay away from the elephant that memory <laughs> i can talk about it now just fine but when i see a clown that's what i'm that's in the back of my mind right yeah. that experience from when i was seven years old and that's the irrational but highly specific event that triggers my feeling about clowns um, yeah. so i i don't know what do you think you talk to me about your feelings of clowns i think it really uh, at risk of repeating myself it just gets into the basic duality of it i've never had a bad experience with a clown um but there is just something unsettling that's why i was so interested that you picked this one uh because i have no connection to it um i do believe that all clowns are secretly run by ants 
Uh, <laughs> but apart from that, I'm not exactly sure. I think they're all Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black. Right. Just looking for sugar water and our <laughs> eyes. Just the basic thing of, I mean, this is really what you said, having a painted on mask that makes you constantly happy while you can see the truth right there in the exact same face. It That represents danger. That represents lying. That represents all of those things. It's something not to be trusted. And it's like such an obvious lie that yeah. it's like, what won't this person do? <laughs> because they're not even trying to lie to me. Of course, this is <laughs> subconscious me talking to myself. This isn't a conversation I've had with a clown since I got kicked out of that circus. <laughs> I need to go back to because they're not even trying. Anybody right. <laughs> who would dress like that intentionally has got yeah. something to hide. Yeah, give yourself a once-over, clowns. <laughs> you look ridiculous. <laughs> Did you even check your outfit? Your nose is stupid. This episode of What's That Smell, sponsored by the International Clowning Association. We're <laughs> in it to make you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Two other feelings that I had is, because you mentioned uh, in that one study that it's not appropriate to, if you're having a conversation with someone that freaks you out or gives you the creepies to just run away mm -hmm. and, but you might do it with a clown. I would like to take a uh, suggestion from your cold open and just do like a slow robot walk away. <laughs> I think the next time that I, that I see a clown, I'm just going to beep and boop and do some cool <laughs> arm movements, uh, hoping to out creep the clown. The only other thing that I wanted to offer is this entire time I've been staring as you've been talking, I've been staring at this photo of the clown reading the paper and part of me i have realized does have in an some sort of irrational fear that if i look at it long enough he will switch his gaze and look back yeah. at me yeah. and i will go insane instantly <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be all she wrote short season everybody <laughs> because well, I, uh... there is i can't get off this word but there is something very old and primal about it yeah. it's very interesting I'm sure, actually, that most clowns have broken teeth. <laughs> Bro no. Okay, so what you need to do is you need to back away doing the robot <laughs> while drinking your smoothie. Everything's going to go great. <laughs> I will say, I made a gag. Uh, I, I made a, a potential joke about the International Clowning Association, and that yeah. was incorrect. Uh, I did not know at the time, a few seconds ago, that it's actually the World Clown Association. And if you're interested, only 186 days left. Uh, to register for the 2019 World Clown Association Convention in Albuquerque, New Mexico. What's that smell? Not sponsored by the World Clown Association. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's sponsored by people that never want to be seen or heard from again. <laughs> <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash scent of a podcast. There are over a hundred and probably 83,000 titles by now to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Pete? Well, it's probably pretty predictable at this point, Tommy, but I'm going to choose uh, Stephen King's The Bible. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> I would read that. Uh, this is uh, Stephen King's It. This is the story mm -hmm. of Pennywise the Clown and uh, a group of kids who uh, start their lives uh, in a uh, generational battle against evil. 
Uh, it was, it's 44 hours and 55 minutes. This is a don't make any plans kind of a uh, No, it's book, serious. If you've yeah. Never, yeah, if you've never been a part of it. Uh, and it was much different than the movie. Well, because the, uh, the movie, cleverly, I think very smart. It's one of the things that derailed so many It previous things on TV yeah. or film as they tried to tackle the entire book. Uh, the book constantly goes back and forth from the kids as kids and then the kids as adults later coming back for round two. Uh, and it constantly jumps back and forth. So the movie is just half of the book. And I think there's so much left out of the movie. Um, understandably, I am such a huge fan. It is the first longest book I've ever read. Wait, that's every book. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Every book is the longest book if it's the longest whatever goes audible go do it <laughs> sorry well i i have to add this the book is actually narrated by stephen weber you know stephen weber oh he's he's really good at doing books i've listened to a number of his He's he great. has done a number of books. He's done uh, a, a lot of Harlan Coben books, uh, uh, some Tom Clancy, some Dean Koontz. Uh, so if you're into Audible for the readers, for the narrators, you can't do worse than Stephen Weber. I mean, wait, you can't do better than Stephen Weber. Wait, let me try that again. You can, <laughs> All right. <laughs> you can I'm do doing my best. Stephen Weber, for sure. He's fantastic. Uh, and then you can follow it up with binge-watching Wings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because he's also great in that, you know. Yeah. I actually just, I just, I listened to all the Wings episodes on Audible because I'm bad at everything. Uh, again, a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial. Uh, go to audibletrial.com slash scent of a podcast and tell them we sent you. We don't pay to advertise this show. You know that. So we really appreciate it when you share it, when you post it on Facebook, when you tell others on Twitter or email, or you call them and say, open your podcast machine. You have to check out What's That Smell. It really helps us. It helps us. And you know what else? It also helps your clown-fearing friends. This right. may be the show that convinces them they're right. They are right to be terrified of clowns this whole time. <laughs> Help them understand their relationship with clouds by sharing this show. And uh, you know what else? Those five-star reviews in iTunes and Apple Podcasts help others discover the show as well. So if you like what you've heard, share the love with a review and a gentle punch on the shoulder. What if this actually just started the clown revolution? <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, is let's for this is yes. it. This is when uh, Skynet came online, but clowns. <laughs> you just hear this. <laughs> Coming up next week. Now, there is a basic sort of cliche that you come up with great ideas in the shower. You've heard of that. Yeah, I don't do that kind of stuff in the shower. Uh, <laughs> uh, fair enough. Um, <laughs> and I, my rationalization here, my justification is that I don't go hang out in their house. <laughs> so get the hell out of mine. I see. Sure. That's how nature works. <laughs> yes. That's a very American <laughs> kind of way of thinking. I like that. And I saw my score, and it was a zero, Pete. <laughs> Out of 100, it was a zero. And I remember thinking, I just lost a contest I didn't even enter. <laughs> I think that what we have just decided is, if you want to get the show, send us your physical address because we'll write you a letter <laughs> every week. <laughs> this week's tune has been Wildlife by Vegan Friendly. Thank you all so much for listening. I'm Tommy Metz III. And I'm Pete Wright. We'll be back next week on 
What's that smell? <laughs>